Good afternoon, everybody out there in Internet Radio Land. This is the Reverend Blake Ruby. Welcome to my show, The Church of the Soul's Evolution. The sun has just gone down in San Antonio, and it's beginning to get dark. It is great. There's a fantastic thing going on, in case you didn't know or think about it much. This world is revolving around the sun and rotating on its axis. We get half a day of light and half a day of darkness. Isn't that amazing? There's a power that's doing that that we don't know hardly anything about. Anyway, I've got a guest tonight. It was Kate Montana. Are you out there, Kate? I am indeed. I'm in Maui, Hawaii. Wow. That is so cool. Do you live there, or are you just on vacation? I live here. I'm very blessed to say I made this decision. The island called me six years ago, and so I said, yes, ma'am, and packed my bags and sold everything I owned and shipped my car, and here I am. All right. Sounds like you're having a good time there. <laughs> How can you not have a good time in Hawaii? <laughs> I know. I've been there twice. Once in 1997 when I was active duty Army, TDY mm-hmm. with a couple of captains. That was like six days. And then I went there in 2005, and we stayed on Fort Island right next to the um, the Arizona Memorial. I think that's what it was, right close by there. Okay. And um, my wife... My wife and I have a 15-day cruise scheduled to go to Hawaii in September out of San Francisco. We're flying um, to San Francisco from San Antonio. Lovely. Anyway, so we're looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, I bet. So, Kate, I'm sorry. I've been busy all day. It's my stepdaughter's birthday. I, I saw that you sent something, uh, a PDF. I didn't get a chance to open it on my cell phone. I just looked on my computer and there wasn't, an, I didn't see that attachment. How about instead, could you just introduce yourself, please, and, and <laughs> let us know what your interests are, what your hobbies are, that kind of thing, please. Yeah, um, I'm an author, uh, primarily uh, in topics of psychology, consciousness, spirituality, and I'm also an alternative health journalist. Um, I've been doing that for, oh, about 20, 30 years now. I, I've written several books, including uh, something called The E-Word, Ego, Enlightenment, and Other Essentials that Simon & Schuster brought out in 2017. So most of my focus has been on spiritual spiritual topics, and um, when, you know, which is a lot of focus on positivity, you know, you focus on the light, love, all good things. I remember back in 1989 or something like that, a, a book came out called You Cannot Afford the Luxury of a Negative Thought. And I remember looking at that <laughs> at that title in the bookstore going, well, I'm, I'm done in. That's, that's, I'm going to have a negative thought right now. I'm never going to manage that. So, you know, there was so much focus on, on you know, the, the light of life. And I never looked at darkness. But then when COVID hit and the world went insane in 2020 and everything kind of went downhill from there. I had to rethink just looking at positivity and light. And I was like, you know, it's been 2000 years since Jesus came and talked about human, human beings and love and eternal life and the teaching of love. It's been 2,500 years since Gautam Buddha taught in, about enlightenment um, the self-help industry is worth billions every year. Um, 85% of the world's population believes in a divine source and wants to align with it. And yet, it seems we're being flushed down the toilet ever more rapidly. And so at that point, um, Blake, I had to stop and go, what is really going on here on this planet? What am I not seeing and at that point, I started to research what we typically call uh, the force of evil on this planet, and which is <laughs> about the last thing on God's green earth I ever thought that I would start investigating. But circumstances dictated that, you know, we've been doing everything right. We, we want to be better people. We want to evolve and grow. And yet something seems to be consistently standing in our way, not just standing in our way, but actually debilitating us and driving us downwards. So I turned around and I started to research that topic, and I was fairly staggered to realize in my research quite rapidly that every con- every culture on every continent on this world in the last, I tracked it back five, 6,000 years, has a name for this interdimensional, non-physical um, presence, 
that we have you know, Christians have labeled evil, the devil, Satan, Beelzebub. But every other culture on the planet knows about this interdimensional, non-human, non-physical interference and has named it and, and talked about it. Um, it's the great deceiver, the slanderer, the temple, the tempter, the great enemy. For the ancient Greeks, it was the archons, the rulers of Earth, who were malevolent, sadistic beings, controlling the thoughts, feelings, and actions of humans. For the Hebrews, it's Abaddon. In Islam, it's Iblis or Ashatan. And it just goes on and on. The, the Gnostic text, Pistis Sophia, calls it the Antimimon, Numa, the evil principle. And, you know, even the Hawaiian kahunas here in Hawaii, they call this the evil malevolent force, the E'epa. Uh, it just goes on and on. I was so shocked, Blake. Um, Native Americans call this inhuman intelligence Witiko or Windingo. And uh, even Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung uh, got in on this, calling it the deceiving force and equated this intelligence with the Antichrist. So, boy, color me shocked when I turned around and started to dig, and the, this is the kind of stuff I uncovered. And so I ended up writing a book because of all the things I, I discovered about this uh, called Cracking the Matrix, 14 Keys to Individual and Global Freedom, because I discovered we are indeed living in a, in a deceptive matrix, not of our own making, but, uh, you know, we're, we're dealing with forces that are occluding our sight and our love. So that's the long and the, that's the short, that's the short version, Blake, <laughs> to catch up with Steve. So interesting. Thank you. Very interesting. I've got to tell you about this one book that I picked up back in the 90s, and mm -hmm. it's been my favorite book. And the author, his name was Michael Desmarquette. He used to live in Australia. He was French. He passed away a few years ago. He wrote this book called Abduction to the Ninth Planet. Have you ever heard of it? No, I have not. It is, I mean, the Bible is one of my favorite books. You know, it's a holy book. Mm -hmm. It's a great book. But this book, I think, is the most important book in the history of the world, for sure, because it speaks truth, I believe, about the extraterrestrials that are out there, and particularly uh, race who are observing us, monitoring us, who are our guardians and have been doing so for thousands of years, have intervened, intervened in our past. And they, took, they picked them up one night back in the 90s and brought them aboard their spaceship, which was like 200, uh, circular in design, about 70 meters in diameter. And they took him to their planet, which is in the Milky Way, and apparently they are one of the three most technologically and spiritually advanced beings in the Milky Way galaxy. They're hermaphrodite, which means they're kind of like transgender, you know, and about nine feet tall, and they've been intervening in our past, um, during Moses' time, Jesus' time, uh, their stat those statues on Easter Island are made in their image before there was a great cataclysm about 15,000 years ago. And according to Michael Desmarquette, who was taken to their planet for 10 days and got a chance to learn a whole lot of knowledge from them, we live in a universe which is divided into nine categories of planets. Unfortunately, planet Earth is a Category 1 planet. What does that mean? It means that it is the lowest on the evolutionary scale, so you have a lot of war and killing, which has been going on throughout the centuries, and even now still going on, because you've got a lot of young souls here, also old souls and in between, but mainly we're living on a planet where the atmosphere weighs heavy on us, and we're, we're living in a food chain where animals eat each other and it's a very specific learning environment it's very difficult it's very hard but it's meant to be that way because our spirits when we come from that pre-existence and we're born into our mother's wombs here on this planet we know how hard it's going to be and, but then we lose sight of the of our where we came from and what our missions are 
and and learning it. And I believe one of the main things for us to do is to increase the lamps of our soul. Our soul shines with a particular kind of light. I wrote a book it's in the Amazon Kindle bookstore called The Gray Brain and the Golden Soul. And the soul, when we're born into this world, shines with a particular kind of brightness. When we get to the spirit world, we'll see that everybody has a different kind of intensity of lightness depending on the evolution of their own soul. So the soul is like the brain of the spirit. And our objective, our mission is, among other things, is to increase the light. Because that's one of the reasons we're here. Like I mentioned, we're on the planet that. You know, half a day of darkness and half a day of light, and we're to learn from the darkness, and that is probably the main way to increase our light, but also doing things like um, good deeds and being kind and generous and and loving and saying prayers for people and just realizing that we're all in this together. We're all one, you know, one humanity. And anyway, it's an amazing book, Kate. I would recommend it for anybody, because it, it talks about reincarnation, it talks about, you know, um, the other extraterrestrials that are out there, their spacecraft can go, you know, many times the speed of light, because they go interdimensionally, and the, their planet is like, is a Category 9, we're a Category 1, and then there's the levels in between, depending on just how evolved your soul is when you die, that one day in the future, hopefully, far out in the future, our souls will and our spirits will pop out of our physical bodies, just like a worn coat, and go to the spirit realms. And I don't know uh, what your beliefs are, but um, you know, you know, excuse me if I shock you with this, but spirits are made of light energy, you know, billions of electrons, and so we're made out of light. And so we gravitate to that world of light up in the sky, actually the matrix of our solar system, whose energy not only provides light and heat for our world and the other planets in the solar system, but also revolves them around itself and rotates them on, our, on their axes as well. And we have a spirit mother and father in heaven, and we are also gods in the making, co-creator gods, who one day, in, through that process of reincarnation and that purification one life after another, We'll leave this life, go to heaven for a while, heaven, whatever you want to call it, the spirit realms, and we will continue the learning there, and then they've got all kinds of information, heavenly computers as to what kind of life you might want to live on another planet in this galaxy or another galaxy that will be conducive to your own soul's evolution, you know, until you get to that point where you reach co-creator God status and you get together with your soulmate. Oh, it's so incredible. I talk about it on my radio show all the time, okay? I really yeah. like to make contact with extraterrestrials, you know. I know they're out there, and I haven't seen any UFOs, but I, according to my logic and my rationale, you know, all this life on Earth, over a million types of insects, over 30,000 types of fish, over 10,000 types of birds, reptiles, 9,000 types of amphibians, 5,000 types of mammals. If all this life happened by accident, then logically it could happen by accident anywhere in the universe, anywhere, on any planet in the universe. But if there is a creator, you know, and I don't confuse the creator of the universe who initiated the Big Bang, who existed before the physical universe was created when there was nothing but darkness and silence, and then the Creator wanted to experience his herself through a very special being like us, sentient beings, and then there's other sentient beings. And so the universe began forming itself, one solar system after another, until one galaxy was formed, and here we are, many, many light years afterwards, down the road in the Milky Way galaxy in a spiral arm, and the universe is still expanding, and the borders of infinite space are still expanding, and it's an incredible thing that's going on. But we're so consumed and carried away with our own lives, daily lives, you know, our jobs, raising our children, wondering what we're going to eat next, paying the bills. And we don't really give a lot of thought to that power out there. You know, the Supreme Creator, I call God, His Herself, whose plan was for us to go through that process of reincarnation and then get to it a co-creator God status and eventually possibly 
assimilate ourselves into the ocean of God's Spirit like a drop of water, thereby giving God that growth that he, she desires, because there's nothing greater than growth in, in this world and in the universe, you ask me. What do you think about all that? I've believed in all of those stories at one point in time, and I've gone past all, almost all of everything that you have just talked about. It's so funny because, you know, I, my own understanding is, well, number one is this planet and my body isn't, aren't really even physical. There's nothing physical about this world. It's at the quantum level. There's no teeny tiny particle of matter. Uh, as the foundation of anything. So, you know, we have kind of like two forms, spirit and the appearance of physicality. But it's all spirit, and it's all love, and it's all one. And, uh, you know, I when, I when I first got into the whole arena of spirituality way back into the 1980s, thank you very much, and I heard about the word enlightenment, I have to say, Blake, that I got very excited and I went, I want that, because the world was such a confusing, pain-filled place. I just couldn't really stand, you know, I I didn't understand why the world had to be so warlike, so pain-filled, you know, of course... I was raised in the in the in the Christian church and in the Episcopal church. Went to a Catholic convent school, and you know was told it was God's plan and and all of that. And I just couldn't wrap my head around a God of love and creating all the pain and suffering or enabling it on this planet. So, you know, I kind of backed out of the traditional view and and moved more towards Eastern meditation. And then, as I say, I heard about enlightenment. So. I just untrained started meditating, uh, like up to eight hours a day, um, morning and night, uh, and I just asked one question, who am I? What am I? And, you know, after many years of that pursuit, I was blessed with many, many insights and understandings about the nature of what we call human beings. And... We're not really human beings. We call ourselves that, but we are pure beings of love. We are one with the Creator. You know, we are already co-creators, but we have gotten sidetracked and derailed into a into a very deceptive, um, degrading matrix of thought, of separation. We have indeed lost track of who we really are. Blake, you are absolutely spot on on that. And, you know, we have been spun so many stories, and I talk about this in my book, Cracking the Matrix. We have been spun so many different matrices, stories about our history, about our evolution or our lack of evolution, um, how we've been hybridized by, um, you know, other alien beings from other planets, how we've been turned into slave race. Of course, you know, the Bible talks about the Elohim which um, is very, very curious because it translates as the plural ver- version of Eloha, which is God, but throughout the Bible, um, it's not referred, God is not referred to as God. God is referred to as the gods, the Elohim. So we've got all these amazing stories about the, the history of humanity and, and why, who we are and why we're in the pickle we seem to be in, why why we have so much pain and suffering, so much so much war and conflict. And from my own experience and insights, and as I say, probably 25,000 hours of, of meditation and, and moments of deep enlightenment um, where I've realized that not only am I never going to die, because spirit does not die, energy does not die, it transforms. The appearance of form transforms. So, you know, it, I, I, I've, I've even realized, Blake, that I was never born. I am, you know, and, and so the Bible and so many of these amazing metaphysical, the Rig Veda, all of these amazing um, scriptural wisdoms that have been, you know, given to humanity for thousands and thousands of years, all says the same thing. We are spirit. We are love. We are all one. So what I had to finally turn around and go, well, if that really is the case, 
And, you know, I believed in the Earth School, and we're here because this is God's plan to, to self-improve and eventually become co-creators and eventually crawl out of the slime bucket, <laughs> you know, out of these, you know, boxes of protoplasm that we seem to be stuck in and, and so defined by. And I finally looked at all these stories through the lens of a deceptive presence, an intelligence that is the deceiver, that has literally created stories within stories within stories, all of which convince us that we're separate from God, we are lesser, we live on a Category 1 planet, not 9, we're not Category 9 beings, we're barely Category 1, you know, over and over, we're told that we're slaves, that we're less than, that we're debased, that we're this, that. And you know what? If you tell a kid enough stories about how bad and wrong they are and how ungodly they are, then doggone it, they'll live up to that expectation, don't you know? So I've, I've really finally seen through these matrices, Blake, of all these stories that we've been told that keep us convinced that we have to be on this endless treadmill of self-improvement to finally be good enough and finally be pure enough and finally be godly enough or Christ-like enough. Um, you know, when I woke up to the fact that the overarching message of all of mainstream society, materialism, and all of spirituality, and all of religion was fundamentally the same message, I was shocked. And that overarching message of society, religion, and spirituality is all the same thing, and is you are not enough. You're not good enough, you're not pure enough, you're not loving enough. You're not rich enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not smart enough, you're not successful enough. And I was like, oh my God, what if we were not programmed like this? And we've been programmed for thousands of years with this message until we've believed it. So, you know, so instead of, so what has just turned my life around, literally, Blake, in the last couple of years, finally realizing that we have been tricked into believing that we're so far less than what we are. And if I'm convinced that I'm so less, I will never, I'll always be trying to self-improve. And if consciousness and energy create the nature of reality, then I'm always going to be trying to get out of the slime and out of my unworthiness and out of my shame and out of my Category 1 experience of self. And I can never shine as the pure being of pure spirit that I was born, never born, always eternally have been this, but have been boxed into a matrix on a physical appearing planet that this story has been spun, keeps us in a diminished, suffering, conflict-ridden, debased, low emotional state. And these interdimensional beings known as the Archons, or the Devil, or Windingo, Witiko, Eepa, whatever you want to call it, actually feeds on low base emotions. And so, fundamentally, I... I woke up like like Neo in the Matrix, you know, that wonderful movie that came out in 1999 that shook so many people up. And there even, you know, there's even science, there's even actually scientific evidence that we actually are living in a computerized matrix. There's some very, very deep, interesting stuff going on, Blake. If we open our yep. eyes and get out of storyland long enough to go, <gasps> you know, because the trouble with stories, is if I believe it, then I never look behind the curtain to see what else is, might be going on. So it's, it's, been a, it's been an undressing experience, to say the least, to get myself out of, out of so many stories to really so that I could deeply question and then finally start to, be, start to <sighs> embody and recognize, feel, and, and, and come from my own light. My, the original light that we all are, spirit beings of pure love. Yes. Um, I have a theory, and hopefully it doesn't offend you when I say this, 
Very um, little offense, Blake. <laughs> what was that? I said very Say little again. offends me. I said very little oh, okay. offends me. Uh, well, that's good. That's good. Yeah, according to my rationale, my logic, uh, the creator and uh, the co-creator gods of the solar system, they create angels, you know, to be subservient to them, you know. They're created, we are born, I guess you could say, even though we're kind of created, I think, in the same way in, in the spirit realms. And uh, it requires a mother and a father to create children. You know, a father by himself can't create children. It's illogical. You know, we live in a universe of male and female, the yin, the yang, the positive, the negative, the alpha, the omega. And unfortunately, the uh, religious establishment many thousands of years ago was male-dominated and still is, you know, today. And they weren't looking out for the best interests of the people, didn't really care about the truth, and they were more interested in power and uh, authority over the people. And so they, uh, they created the myth of the devil, and now... Hopefully, this is a touchy point when I get to this mm-hmm. right here. The, if, let's just say, I'll just use God. God can mean both male and mother Or the Father God is God, Mother God. Spirits and they can create by... That's how they create. They created their angels there. When we get to heaven, you know, especially around the throne room in the holy city, there's angels everywhere. And you have Archangel Michael, who's in charge of the angels, and Archangel Lucifer is in charge of the demons, and also God's jail, otherwise known as hell. And that story about the Archangel Lucifer rebelling, first of all, to do that, God, being omnipotent, omniscient, wouldn't have created a being who he would have already known in advance was going to rebel if he didn't want that to happen. Second, if he had it, intimidating people and destroying lives, well, God is more powerful than the devil, so that God could destroy the devil because the devil is messing with God's people, God's children. But God didn't do that, because that's not what the devil is. The devil works for God. And what we experience here on planet Earth is a negativity associated with, as you mentioned, I think, with this world. It's a very specific, special learning environment. It would be different, but this is where we learn basic social. We're going to get away from killing each other, learn to love each other, and that is what we need to do to be world and go to the spirit realms and then be born on another planet, hopefully of a higher category. A two or three, you can skip grades, what I understand. It's when a nine, and that might mean that you already have had any hundred lives, past lives. I don't know how many I have. I know that there's a way to find out through regression, I think it's called. But a category nine planet is a veritable paradise compared I mean, it is very comparable to heaven, you know, the sun. If you look into the sun with eyes of the spirit, the spirit can live in fire. It's not like the spirit can live in the fire down beneath the surface of the earth and the lava beds down there where God's jail exists, you know, and you have people who are there, murdered people who, who have raped people, verbal abusers, sexual abusers, physical abusers, people that don't believe in God. There's a lot of people in that place, you know, especially nowadays, all the killing that's going on in the war, that's where they go. <clears throat> there are some demons, excuse me, I'm going to take a drink of water. There are some demons yeah. there that were made specifically to handle people like that. And don't you know, there are some really evil people and there have been some really evil people in this world. I mean, really, really evil that only specifically created demons know how to handle them perfectly well so that they get rehabilitated in the way so that they can continue their soul's journey. I don't believe in eternal damnation myself because mm-hmm. a loving mother and father in heaven would not condemn their children 
to encourage their suffering just because they disobeyed them. Well, this, I mean, here we are, neither would we. But think how much more loving they are than we are. So why would they condemn one of their spirit children to an eternity of suffering just because they disobeyed them or did something wrong? You know, and they know the big picture. Take Hitler, for example. You know, when he was raised as a child, who knows how he was shaped and molded by his parents. He might have been sexually abused. He might have been beaten, physically abused. And that's enough to warp the mind of any young boy or girl, you know. Absolutely. Couple that with World War One. Germany lost World War One, And revenge is always a big thing on everyone's mind now. The, that cycle, circle of revenge just keeps going on and on and on and on. Even though in the Bible it says, vengeance is mine say it to the Lord. We we can't wait for God to do that. We have to retaliate, you know, and take revenge, just like with 9-11. We were immediately knocking down the Afghanis and then the Iraqis, you know, uh, wiping them out uh, in a un- disproportionate amount, just like the Israelis are doing now to the Palestinians, you know. The Palestinians, the uh, Hamas killed 1,400, I think, in that initial strike or close to it. Now, we sent the Israelis, I'm part Jewish, by the way, 8% from my DNA, I found out. They are already passed, last I heard was over 20,000. You know, that's a disproportionate amount that, you know, Jesus thought it was to turn the cheek, the other cheek. But before that, uh, Moses' law was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But that means one for one. It doesn't mean like 1,400 versus 25,000, you know. But yes, and everybody people. ends up toothless and sightless. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you believe in oneness, Blake? I do. Do you believe yes. in e- Do you believe in eternal? Do you ter- believe in the eternal nature of the divine? Yes, eternity. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, I believe the creator of the universe. Go ahead. Well, this is this really, this is very, I mean, boy, are we on deep, deep ground here, but uh, one of the most extraordinary moments of my life was when in a three-day period of full-on, but I can only use the word enlightenment, I, you know, I, I did not reach a state of enlightenment because at that moment there was no Kate Montana. I was not Kate Montana. I knew who Kate Montana, I, I knew that I used to believe that I was Kate Montana. Um, I spent three days laughing, which is, you know, so many statues and pictures you see of the Buddha laughing his ass off is like, oh, I get to joke. It's like, I'm not really human. I am an eternal being of spirit. That is who I really am. And in that three-day period of time, as I say, I didn't become enlightened. What happened was every all the veils dropped, Blake. So there was no Kate Montana. I mean, I knew that that was a... The Kate Montana was an idea. Kate Montana was the accumulation of apparently physical experiences on an apparently physical planet. And that it had absolutely nothing to do with the reality of who I really am. And in that three-day period, I recognized my eternal nature. Now, the real, the real brain exploder when you come to that place, Blake, is when you realize if I am an eternal being and I am an eternal spirit, I was never created. The very nature of eternity dictates that I always am. I always was, and I always shall be. So, you know, it's children of God, even if we like to say, well, I'm a child of God, but even a, a human child is the result of its human parents and has the same exact attributes as its parents, which means that if you believe you're a child of God, you are also an eternal being which means that you were also never created, because by the very nature of eternal, what could possibly create you if you always were and always will be? So you, there are these states of consciousness, Blake, that transcend all of the stories, that get us out of all of the excuses 
excuses. They get us out of all of the excuses to continue to be warlike, to continue to not turn the other cheek, to continue to seek revenge, to continue to view the universe through a hierarchical better than. You've got somebody at the pinnacle, usually God, and then you've got the various angels at various levels. It sounds like a freaking corporation. Who fought these stories up? Who imprinted these matrices of mind and ideas and concepts onto pristine, pure spirit beings of love? And then, being the creators that we are, we bought the story. And now we live in a matrix of our own creation because, as creator beings, we spin out our own reality here on Earth. And it's a hell on Earth. You are absolutely right. But it's not in alignment with our basic true nature, which is spirit beings of pure love who are eternal, always have been, always will be. So that's why I had to write this book, Cracking the Matrix, is that when I saw all of the different levels of illusion that we are wrapped in, Blake, is stories within stories within stories. And in all of the stories, the common denominator is we're pieces of poo. We're at the bottom of the totem pole trying to crawl up out of the Category 1 planet to the Category 9. And so I was like, oh, my God, when you finally see through all the stories and then all you're left with is your pure essence of who you really are it's like oh my god this planet is can be a paradise if we drop the stories if the veils are allowed to drop from our eyes the scales drop from our eyes when we no longer see through a glass darkly then our innate inherent nature brings forward from us, and we say, no, no more killing. Like, this amazing, I forget her name, this beautiful woman, Israeli woman, whose son was killed in Gaza, shot in the face, as her 17-year-old boy. And she, I saw her speaking, and, you know, in the midst of her rage, in the midst of her agony, in the midst of her tears, she stood there in front of a camera and said, I will not go to war to revenge my son. I will not perpetuate death. In, in, in an honor of my son, I will not perpetuate more death and more killing and more destruction of other people's children. I will not do it. I will only stand for love. That's godly. That's pure being yeah. standing up for what it is and outside of the matrix, outside of the stories, outside of the BS about vengeance, and gets on with being who we really are. And it's time, Blake, we got on with being who we really are and start seeing through the stories that we've bought into that are just a bunch of freaking excuses for not, for not being as big as we really are. We have a billion excuses to keep us small. And it's easy being small. It's easy thinking you're a piece of poo. Then you don't have any expectations. It's like, whoa, talk about a trap. It's huge. It's mind-boggling. I mean, the, I, I live in a totally different reality now than I did two years ago, Blake, when I turned around and I saw all this. And, the, you know, and the whole thing about, you know, so much about, I mean, the Bible doesn't really talk that much about the devil. Um, a lot of other pieces of literature do. Um, but when we really turn around and realize that that which is called the devil, this dark influence, which is deceptive, which does literally feed on our emotional energy and does literally feed on our light and suck us like vampires. When we see this twisted force and its stories and the matrix of stories that it has that it has spun, that we have bought into, when I finally see that I am not the deceiver, that my true nature is spirit and my true nature is love, then I can no longer be deceived. And all I know is the light within me. When I stop as a creator being, when I stop, you know, it aligned with the divine, when I stop accepting and creating more of my lessness, 
more of my misery, more of my violence, more of my judgment, more of my hatred, more of my revenge. And when I go, oh, God, no, that is not me. (gasps) That's a different force from a different source entirely. It's not from the divine. It's not from pure love. God did not create the devil. How is that possible? It doesn't make sense. But when you finally stand up in your own righteous purity and go, oh, my God, I am a being of light. I am a being of love. I bought into a bill of goods. When I finally saw the bill of goods that I bought into about my lessness and my, and my wretched worm status, <sighs> then I was free, Blake. Then I could turn around and look at this deceptive force that has got ensnared us, and I go, oh, my God, I am not that being. I am not dark. I am of the light, period, full stop, eternally. And then you shed the dark cloak about you, and then you stand up in your light, and then it's a different world, and then it's heaven on earth. Because heaven is with a kingdom of heaven is within each and every one of us. But we have to decloak. We have to see through the matrix of deception that we have bought into and that we perpetuate with hierarchy, with war, with despair. Oh, my God. And then we think that, that we're solely responsible. We are not. We are, we, have, we, have we sold ourselves out? Have we bought a line of, of you know what? Absolutely. Have we been greedy? Have we been, you know, violent? Have we been all these things? Yes, we have. Are we complicit? Yes, we are. Are we responsible? Partly, not entirely. We have been deceived about our nature, about the nature of this world. This world isn't even physical. Einstein proved that with the equivalence of, 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 of mass and energy 110 years yeah. ago. So it's yeah. like, whoa, there's, there's, yeah, so there's this whole, like, reshaping of reality that, that when you go through the veils, Blake, you go through the veils and you're in a different world. Yeah. You know, Kate, I think the next step in our evolution is contact with extraterrestrials, and they're out there. There's a book called The Contact Has Begun. Besides the that's my second favorite to abduction to the ninth planet. These extraterrestrials are out there now. They are the stereotypical dark eyes and kind of uh, squinty eyes and a bit pointed ears and about five feet tall, extremely intelligent. They've been traveling throughout the universe for over 290 million years, you know, so even before the Milky Way galaxy was born. And what they do is they love to go around the universe and in their evolution. And imagine that universe over 290 million years, and they're still apparently coming up to some solar systems that haven't been discovered still. Mm. The universe is that big. And so mm-hmm. they set up an observation approximately a thousand years ago. And steps into outer space, and that's what they do. They, they monitor a civilization in their evolution to when they make their first steps, and if they are still a violent, ferocious species, then they will sabotage their spaceships, and they won't allow them to go into outer space because space is supposed to be a peaceful domain. That's why I never liked the movie uh, the different movies, Star Wars, because those two words alone mean that, you know, war is going to be uh, perpetuating throughout the universe, and we don't want that. You know, that's the contrary to love. That's hate. Hate is is not the future. You know, hate and death go together. Love and life go together. So I never did like Star Wars because space, when they told this man who was abducted, he spent... 25 years on the L.A. Times Metro desk. I communicated with him by email, actually, when I was in my last duty assignment in the Army in Caracas, Venezuela, and, and um, I, I told him I loved his book. And, and he's a really cool guy, and there's even a video of him on YouTube. Philip 
path. And so he was an editor on the LA Times Metro desk, and he got a Pulitzer Prize along with some other people for the LA riots in the early 90s. And he was taken aboard his spaceship for three days. They told everything about what they do, and he wrote that book that was called The White Paper so that he could spread the information out that they're peaceful. They just want to invite us to join the Intergalactic Federation of Sovereign Planets and take our place in the galactic community and become Star Travelers, just like they are, just like in Star Trek. And also, they'll tell us what we're doing wrong. It will end war, you know, it will end disease, heart disease, lung disease, cancer, viruses. They'll tell us what we're doing wrong, that we'll cure it, we'll become like them. It will be the next step in evolution, but guess what happened? That threw a monkey wrench into all those plans. Hmm. 9-11. 9-11 happened. And that did, their scientists had predicted that our civilization was borderline. They had seen all this killing and war in the past, and they knew that we were a violent species. But they also saw the good in people. You know, people like you and me, artists musicians, lovers, not fighters, the good. They narrow it down to like 80% of the people in this world are inherently good. People yep. who are family-oriented, who, who want to raise their children and, you know, don't want them to die in a war. Yep, absolutely. And, you are abs- the vast majority. We are beings of pure love, Blake. We are spirit. We're not, spe- we're not a species. You know, it's just like it blows my mind that we can have the Bible and other books, divine books like that, that say over and over and over that we are spirit. And then we keep calling ourselves a species, and we keep relating ourselves to ourselves as human beings. You know the contact we need, Blake? We don't need contact with extraterrestrials. We need contact with ourselves. We need to wake up to who and what we really are. That's the journey. It's the only journey yeah. that really counts. Because, you know, somebody could land some beautiful, you know, some. I have had contact, Blake. I have had many contacts with many different species <laughs> that aren't species, that, that, are, that are intergalactic beings of spirit that know how to materialize and know how to manipulate matter, the appearance of what is matter. Again, it's, there's, only two, there's only two things. There's spirit and there's the appearance of form that spirit takes. And it's like, oh, my God. So, yes, contact with ourselves of our true nature is like, oh, once we connect with our true nature and believe it and know it is the truth, you know, here's, here, let me ask you, you know, it blew my mind when I realized that all of my spiritual and religious teaching was teaching me to try to become something. And it's like, if I'm already a spirit, if I'm a spirit of pure love, how can I become that? I already am that. But I am deceived. I am deluded into thinking that I'm a human being on a planet. And the, and all of these stories, it's, it's so it's like, wow. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. And, it, you know, the whole okay. extraterrestrial thing is, the whole extraterrestrial thing is fascinating. And yes, there are so many other intelligences. But I'm really frightened in a way that it is, you know, we're being so sucked into, oh, well, somebody else is going to come and save us. We have to wake up and save ourselves. We have to wake up to our true spirit nature and see ourselves as we really are and take the blinders off. When we have contact with our own heart and our own spirit nature, then we can turn things around. And then we are worthy yeah. of, as you say. I love, I love Star Trek. By the way, I'm, I'm a great fan along with you. And you know that trek, that trek of peace and exploration and and excitement going through the, this endless, infinite universe, this end, infinite creation that we are all part of and co-creators already with. So one, one it's minute. like it's the biggest adventure going. Yeah, we've only got one minute. Um, 
Okay, so let me just close this out. A couple of seconds, uh, you know, leave. I learned from a near-death experience man. Or man, if a man will pray, P-R-A-Y versus P-R-E-Y. Mm-hmm, and yeah. so my prayer that the uh, creator of the universe would bless all of us here and help us in any way we need it, please, God. Go ahead. Do you want to say a quick prayer to close us out about 30 seconds? I pray that we see who we really are, that we are aligned with the divine spirit that always was, that always shall be, and that we are one with the creator as we are in our true nature. I pray we take the blinders off. I pray we see through the darkness and the illusion and come to the light of our own being. I pray that passionately and sincerely. Okay. Thank you, Kate. Very well done. Thank you. It's been great talking with you. Maybe we can talk again some more in the future. I'd love to. I'd love to. And if I could just say, Cracking the Matrix, Cracking the Matrix, 14 Keys to Individual and Global Freedom. I pray for that, too. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks, Blake. Bye. Talk to you next week. Bye, Kate. Thank you. Bye-bye.